Today's daf is daf Yud Beis, and we pick up from the bottom of Yud Aleph Amud Beis, 11 lines from the bottom of the page. We learned this. We're going to go backwards and restart the Indian, restart the topic, which is the placement of a mezuzah on a shul. Okay? So let's go back and discuss this topic. We're going to start from the words, again, the bottom of Yud Aleph Amud Beis, Ubeis HaKneses, Mi Metame Benegoyim. We're going to connect whether or not a shul needs a mezuzah to the to the same halacha as to whether or not a shul can receive tzaras. Is it possible for a shul to get tzaras? I would have thought that a shul in a base matters get tzaras, but... It's not like that. Talmud Laimar, only somebody who has in his house, Misha a person who has a unique house that's personally owned, to exclude a house that's not individually owned, and a shul is not individually owned by any one person. And therefore, how can you tell me that a shul gets saras if there's a Pasuk explicitly telling us that it may not? A good kasha. The Gemara is going to now give us three different possibilities to answer this question of how it's possible for a shul to get saras despite it being owned by the community. So here we go. Answer number one. Like Kasha, there's no question. Horeb Meir, Horabon, because actually a Machlaikas Rabban, the Tanya, Machlaikas Tanayim, the Tanya, because we're going to do a price. Basically, Yishba, Beis Dira, the Chazan, Viava, Shul that has a home for the chazan, for the shamash of the shul, says, mezuzah. then you're obligated to mezuzah. And if there's no uh, specific apartment in the shul for the shamash to live in, then Reb Meir Mechayev, Reb Meir says that you're still going to be chayev in a mezuzah. The chum say, no, you're only going to have to put up a mezuzah if there's somebody actually living there, all right? So that's one answer. We had a, we had a kasha. Can a shul get tzaras or not? The answer is, we're going to uh, an- we're going to answer from the laws of mezuzah that Rav Meir says that a shul always needs to have a mezuzah, and the rabbanon say the chum say a shul does not need a mezuzah unless there's somebody there. Hence, what what are we going to say? Can a shul get saras? It depends. Is lefi uh, the if there's somebody living there or not? Okay. Another possibility to answer the contradiction about whether a shul could get saras. Both are following the opinion of the Rabbanon who say that the uh, who say that if there is a um, if if there's nobody living there, you don't need a mezuzah. But like Kasha, still no question. Ha isba base dira, ha the lesba base dira. Okay, the the we'll say the answer is that the Chum will agree that if somebody actually is living there, like we explained before, there's an attached apartment. There's a place, a room set aside for somebody to live there. Then Nacham will say it's possible to get saras if there's nobody, if there's no apartment specifically over there for somebody to live in the division. Then you won't get saras. View by Yisheim. Another possibility to answer the contradiction. Both prices are dealing with there's no set room for the shamish to live in. Now we turn to today's daf. Very, very interesting. It depends where the shul is located. A shul that's located in a big city where people are coming from all over the place and they're making donations. So that's considered owned by Gans Klal Yisrael. Such a shul cannot receive tzaras. 
However, when you have a local shul with local people, supported locally, where everybody knows each other, okay, then it's going to be considered like it's owned by this small group of owners. And it will be considered part of the Pasuk that states that you could get Saras on a home that's his. Why, is it, why does it mean his? The same way a home of Shutfin, the same way when you have two partners who own a home, you're going to need a mezuzah. So a shul in a small town, it's considered uh, privately owned by uh, 50 partners. But it's, uh, and it would still be obligated in, it would still be possible to receive Saras. The same way a, a, a partnered home can receive Saras, period. All right? So we had a kasha. Let's go back. We started today. We start out with a question, is it possible for a shul to receive taras or not? We had a contradiction in prices. We gave three answers. This last answer said, it depends where the shul is located. Depends. A shul of a small town can get saras. It's like, a sh- it's like a home of partners. Shul of a larger city where people are coming and going and making donations and there's no specific owners. You don't know who anybody is. Cannot receive saras. Okay. We're going to dwell on this for a little bit. This answer about the difference between a small town shul and a large town shul, a large city, let's talk about that for a little bit. Says the Gemara. Um, do they not become Tomei with Saras? Yeah, the big city uh, uh, shuls. Do they not become Tomei with Saras? By the time we learned their price, uh, you can receive Saras on a house of Achuza, a house of inheritance. The, the correct translation for Achuzaschem really should be heritage. Okay? A house that gets passed to you down through a heritage is Mitame Binigoyim. The in Yerushalayim, Mitame Binigoyim. Yerushalayim, a house in Yerushalayim is not capable of receiving Saras. Listen to this. Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, I heard from my Rebbeim that the Beis Hamikdash area cannot receive Taras because that's what belongs to Gans Klal But the Shuls and Bati Medrash of Yerushalayim can also receive Taras. Even though Yerushalayim is a Krach. So you see, a large town Shul, a big city Shul, can, like Yerushalayim, can still receive saras. Says Gemara Ema. Say, let's answer this. Amar Yehuda, Amar Yehuda, Yehuda says, "Anilah Shemati Alamakum Mekudosh Bovana Makum Mikdash." Referring to the base of Mikdash Yushlaim, I'm talking about a Makum Mekudosh, meaning a shul, a base medrash. These types of areas are not capable of receiving uh, of receiving saras. That's I'm, I'm sorry, Makum Mekudosh referring to the Harabais. that can't receive saras, but he still may hold. That um, the a regular shul, a small town shul, big town shul may still be up for this nafkamina, may still be part of this discrepancy. Period. Okay, so let's reiterate what we just said. What did we just say? Again, we're focusing on small town shuls and big city shuls. Rabbi Yehuda said that when you have a makom mekudosh, it is not metame binigoyim. The Makam Mikdash is not Mitame Binigoyim. Okay, so you have a holy place, a shul, a base medrash, the base Mikdash, all of these places, Saras cannot touch. Bimai, 
and the Chum argue. Says the Gemara, B'may This whole Machlaikas about whether you can get Saras on holy places. What is the Machlaikas concerning? Tanakam Savar, the Tanakam who says you cannot get Saras says, Yerushalayim Nainestak L'Shvatim. Yerushalayim is owned by all 12 Shvatim. It wasn't given to any particular Shevet like the other areas of Eretz Yisrael. This was a city set aside for Klal Yisrael. Rabbi Yehuda says, no. Yerushalayim was split up amongst the Shvatim. Okay? Now, if Yerushalayim is not split up amongst the Shvatim, then it's owned by too many people to receive Tsaras. If it is split up amongst the Shvatim, so now you have individual families, and it would be possible to receive Tsaras. Now, let's talk about Yerushalayim itself. Okay, and let's think about a, a practical application of this. Unfortunately, we're in Gullus right now. Hopefully, it'll end in a few minutes. Uh, it'll end shortly. But um, if it doesn't, there's a fascinating discussion. If somebody wants to purchase real estate now, until Mashiach comes, in Eretz Yisrael, is it worthwhile to spend that extra money and buy in Yerushalayim as opposed to buying in surrounding cities? Why? Let's keep this in mind. Because let's say I purchase an apartment in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Which Shevet owns Ramat Beit Shemesh? I don't know. But if I'm not part of that Shevet, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live in that area. But if Yerushalayim is owned by Gans Kal Yisrael, and I buy in Yerushalayim, so I could keep that apartment, Lachor. Right? Nobody, nobody, no Shevet's going to show up and take it away from me. Okay? So let's keep these in mind. Let's think about this. Yeah? So let's keep reading. Ubepukta Dahani Tanoi. And... The Machlaikas is concerning the following Tanoim, the Tanya. We learned in a Brisa. What part of the Beis HaMikdash is in the domain of Shevet Yehuda? Harabayis, Halishkais, Vazarais, the main part of the Harabayis, the Lishkais, the rooms, Vazarais, and the courtyards, all that is part of Shevet Yehuda. That was kind of like the border between. Yehuda and Binyamin. Which part of the of the Beis Hamikdash was in Binyamin's part? Ulam, the entryway area, that very high part of the Beis Hamikdash, the Heichal, and the Beis Kaidesh Hakadoshim. Uritzuya, and there was a, stri- a strap. Ritzua is like we refer to the Ritzuas of Tefillin, right? It's like a strap of leather. So over here, it's referring to a Ritzua means when you have very often when you have borders. The borders don't lie directly flat. It's not like the United States ends on the northern border and then Canada starts. Very often when a person drives from, let's say, Detroit to Niagara Falls, you're going to be driving through Canada, right? Because borders uh, overlap each other. So, there was a strip of land. That stuck out from Yehuda. That's where the Beis Hamikdash was built. And had had was had tsar this um, many many times. Okay, this is referred to uh, as uh, Binyamin was a tremendous tzaddik. He never did averus. Shenemar, as it says. I'm sorry, yeah, he was bothered. He wanted it in his domain, the Mizbeach. Shinamar, as it says, Binyamin Mamish was bothered by it all, all the days. Lafikach, therefore, because when he wanted something so bad, a very important lesson, 
Binyamin wanted this mitzvah so bad, when you want the Shekhinah enough, the Shekhinah will come. If, it, if you care enough about it, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will send it. Shanamar, as it says, Hashem rests between the shoulders of Binyamin. So the shoulders of Binyamin kind of like juts out. Binyamin's land starts a little further back, but there's, there's a strip of land of Binyamin that enters into Yehuda to swallow the area of the Mizbeach, and now the Mizbeach is in Binyamin's portion. Okay? Now, let's just keep in mind what, what, why we're mentioning this. Because we had a machlokas, whether Yerushalayim was divided amongst the Shvatim or not. This whole discussion is showing us that Yerushalayim was divided amongst the Shvatim. Okay? Says the Gemara, the high Tana Savar, but the other Tana holds, Yerushalayim, Linus Chalka Shvatim. Yerushalayim was not split up amongst the Shvatim. The Tana learned their Baisa, Ein Maskirim Bat Yerushalayim, fascinating Baisa. Listen to this. Yeah? For us Americans, Wherever the Super Bowl is, the Airbnbs skyrocket. All right, this past Pesach in Orlando, all right, the rent went up. What happened, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, to all the hotels in Yerushalayim? What happened? Listen to this, fascinating. Nobody was allowed to charge for others to stay in their homes, their Airbnbs, and their hotels. Because you don't own that space. They own it. The same way a Yid, a Rav, a Rebbe, whoever, you're not allowed to charge money for teaching Tyra. Why not? Because any Tyra that we teach or we're taught didn't belong to my Rebbe, and it doesn't belong to me to teach to you. It's yours. And if you can't tell me, oh, you want to hear a Dvar Taira? $50. What? That's my Dvar Taira. All of Kali Yisrael owns the Taira. You can't charge me for something that's mine. Says the Brisa, you can't charge people for dwelling in your place in Yerushalayim. You know why? Because Yerushalayim is theirs just as much as it's yours. Rebbe Lazar Bar Tzadakaymer, Aflaimitis. You even can't charge for beds. The person might say, okay, yeah, I can't lease my, the area, but uh, you want to use my cot? Yeah, $25 to use my cot. He says, no, nothing doing. You can't do that either. Okay? Because if it's not your area, you can't charge people for sleeping on the beds in there as well. Therefore, a very important lesson, which is people came to Yerushalayim and they stayed in other people's homes and they stayed in hotels. For free. But guess what? It's not menschluch to stay in somebody else's place for free. When they do you a favor, they got a bed there, and you don't bring them a candy platter. You don't bring them a bottle of wine. And therefore, says the Brysa, how would the hotel owners and the homeowners of Yishlaim get paid? All of the skins of the animals of the Eile Regal would be given as presents and the, to the hosts. And the host could even take it against the guy's will. Be a mensch. Give it to me. You, do, you, just, you just slept on something that I set up. All right? This is my point. And they, if, it's menschlich to give me a gift. You don't want to give a gift? They were even allowed to take it. Kaifen. They were allowed to take it against the guy's will. Okay? Very good. Amar Abai, you see from here, Ayrachara. It's normal. Very important. Ayrachara. 
You want to hear what's normal? Le mishvak inish gulfa umashka le oshpiza. If you're staying in somebody's house and you go out and you buy oil, you buy wine or whatever, and you leave, you can leave some stuff behind for your guest, for, for your host. All right? It's not like, oh, you know, I bought my, I paid for the orange juice I'm not, and I stayed in your house for a week. I'm not going to. Does any ever you, you have stuff that, that you got while you're staying in somebody else's home? Leave it behind. That, that's a normal thing to do. That's a menschlicha thing to do. Okay. Very good. Says the Gemara, back to our discussion about large city shuls and small town shuls. Can small town shuls get saras because they're, they're, it's considered like they're owned by partners? By the time we learn their rice, when you go into the land, you're going to get as a heritage, which means it has to become a heritage, it has to already be conquered for Yisrael. What happened if they conquered Eretz Yisrael? It wasn't divided amongst the Shvatim. Chokola Shvatim Ura was already conquered and divided amongst the Shvatim. Why Chokola Beisavis wasn't given out to each family yet? Chokola Beisavis Ora was split up amongst the families. However, but people didn't know exactly where their seat was. You know where their home was. Minayin. How do you know that there wasn't Tomei Tzaras on these homes yet? The one who his house is uh, comes. It has to be specifically his. To exclude these that are not directly yours. You see from over here that you can only get saras when you individually own a home. So why by a small town shul can it get saras? Just because there's lesser people and there's only 50 people in the community and they're all paying for the shul. So let it get saras. It's like it's owned by partners. Ask the Gemara a good kasha. We know that the laws of Taras didn't start until the Eretz Yisrael was conquered and divided amongst the Shvatim and given team families. And each member, individual member of the family, also knew where their point was. By a small town shul, does everybody know which part of the shul they own? No. So why is a small town shul getting Taras? It should be like at Yerushalayim, or it should be like Eretz Yisrael, that's not yet divided amongst individuals. Says the Gemara, you're right. That was not a good answer. Listen to this. Fascinating. Remember, we gave three answers. The third answer was the difference in small town shuls and large town shuls. Right? The first two answers were uh, the first two answers were based around whether it has a base dira for the chazan or not. That will determine the teras. That'll determine the mezuzah. The gemara is coming out at the end of the sugya. We're going to stick with those answers. And this last answer, that there's a discrepancy as to the size of the city that's, that's hosting the shul, is an incorrect answer. And there would be no mezuzah necessary for a public shul. Now, just practically, what do we do? We put mezuzahs up on our shul, but we don't make brachos. All right? We don't make a bracha on a publicly owned, uh, publicly owned place, but we do put mezuzahs up on the door. All right, beautiful. Here we go. Two dots. We're about uh, 12 lines from the bottom of Yud Bey's Omud Aleph. Okay, we said in the Mishnah. Okay, here we go. So this Kayin Gadol was set aside for seven days and brought to the Lishkas Parhedron. And what did we do as part of the preparation? We set aside another Kohen as his backup. Says the Gemara. Very Gishmak. 
pshita, it is simple, that irabo psul, if a psul happened to the Kohen, Godel, kaidem tamid shal shachar, before he brought the tamid shal shachar, that mechanchen also betamid shal shachar, okay, will already put the backup Kohen into the tamid shal shachar, okay. Now, here's going to be the focus of our discussion, and that is, how does a Kohen Gadol become a Kohen Gadol? How do you become a Kohen Gadol? So obviously you need to be appointed, right? Now there's two ways to, to elevate a Kohen Hadyot, a basic Kohen, to the, to the status of a Kohen Gadol. One way to elevate him is by putting on the Shemayin Begudim, putting on the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol. The other way was by anointing him with the oil. So what happens when the Kain Gadol, the, the first Kain Gadol, became puzzle before he even started the Karban HaTamid? So then we can put the eight garments on the new Kain, on the backup. Okay? He's got the eight garments available. Go ahead. Ella... But, says the Gemara, if the first Kayin only became possibly became Tomei, whatever happens, after he brought the Tomei Shachar, how are you going to establish the backup Kayin in his place? Okay? Because on a on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, here's what's unique. Usually the Kohen Gadol did the Shemayna Begudim like we said. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I, I, I messed up how I introduced it before. Okay? Usually the Kain Gadol uh, wears the Shemayin Begadim. On Yom Kippur, he wears only four out of the eight when doing the Avaidah. Okay? So it means on Yom Kippur, when he's wearing white, not, uh, not the golden, not the Shemayin Begadim, so he looks like a regular Kayin. That's what he's looking like. And the Gemara is asking that if the backup Kohen on Yom Kippur is only going to be wearing the standard Big Day Kahuna. So what's going to show that he is now elevated to the status of Kayin Gadol? Okay? Now, what would you answer? What would you answer? Any takes? If you can't, if you can't make him Kayin Gadol by wearing the, by, by the Shemayin Begadim, so how should we make him Kayin Gadol? Oh, uh, good. Right? Anoint him with the oil, no? So a lot of the Mepharshim here, we're not going to answer that. You'd be surprised. Uh, but uh, a lot the, that's the shy. a lot of the Mepharshim ask. Apparently, the, what the explanation is, is that we're dealing, the, we're dealing with the era of the second Beis HaMikdash where there wasn't always oil available. So Gemara is asking, what do you do during this era when we're stuck? There's no oil, and by wearing the regular Big Day, the big day Kangal of Yom Kippur, you're not going to look any different. All right? But very good, Rebiel. Okay. So Gemara answers, Amar Avada Barav, Avada Barav says, Ba'avnit. Yeah, the Kain Gadol would wear a special belt, which wasn't worn by the, the Kain Hadith. So the Gemara, well, fine. But not everybody's agreeing with that. According to one who says that the uh, belt of the Kain Gadol and the belt of the Kain Hadith were the same in general, so it, uh, so it makes sense why the the backup Kohen will still be look different than a regular Kohen, okay? Because now he's going to be wearing this pure linen belt, 
that was available as opposed to a belt made out of wool and linen. Who said the Lord Omar says that they were different belts in general. Michael and Mimar, what are you gonna say? The belt of the the belt of the back of Kaingal is still gonna look the same as everybody else. So you don't have the oil, you don't have any change in garment. What are you gonna do? Amr Abai says, I'll give you another eight. I'll tell you what else you could do. Put on the Shmaina Bagadim, not the Yom Kippur garments. Put on the regular garments that Kain Gadol first. Mahapech uh, uh, means turn over. Play around with the parts of the Aveda of the Karbon Atomid while it's burning on the Mizbeach. Why? Because this was not an Iker part of the Aveda. So by wearing the different garments, it's not going to passel up the Karbon Atomid. You're still showing that now you have a new position. And uh, the Avayda is good. You showed your position, and that's what they would do. And how do you know that works? Says Abaye. Like the opinion of Ravuna. Ravuna, Ravuna says, Azar shahapach b'tzinura, achayev misa. Azar, a non-kayan. Yeah, a stranger to the Avayda that comes and turns it over is is a chayev misa bidei shamayim. So you see here, you see that, listen, it's choshev enough that it shows that I'm a kayan, but it's not... If you're wearing the Shrine of God, while you do this, it's not enough to passel up the Avaid. Okay, so that's one possibility of what they would do during this era when there was no oil and uh, there was a psul found in the Kain Gadol by the Tomid uh, after the Karbanat Tomid. So he'd turn over, turn over the parts. The, that, that's a buy. Rav Papa Amar, but Rav Papa says, now we turn to the top of Amad Bez. That you don't need to put on any special garments. You don't need the oil. Just the fact that he's the one doing the Avaida, which is very logical. Just the fact that he's the one doing the special Avaida of the Kain Gadol is enough to show that he is now in the position of the Kain Gadol. Now, this is a big Chiddush, which the Gemara is going to have to back up Repapa, right? Because until now, we said there's two ways for a Kain Hedyat to become a Kain Gadol, either by the Begadim or by the oil. Rav Papa is saying, oh, either way. You don't need either of these. Just do the Avaida and that'll suffice. Says the Gemara, where do you get that from? Levi Tanya? I'll tell you why. Because then we learn in the Rise of Kol, the Maisha Rabbeinu made for the Mishkan, the, once they were anointed with oil, they became fit for the Avaida. Mikan Ve'ilach, from here on forth, Avaidason Mechancham, just Using a klisha race in the Beis Hamikdash in the Mishkan, just its usage was enough to give it the kedusha. Hachanami so too. Avedasai mechan chosai. We'll say by the kain gadol that just him performing the avida is enough to establish him as a kain gadol. Okay, so like we said, Repapa's giving us a, a good trivia answer. Stamazai in a plain scenario, you have a kasha. You ask somebody, how does a kain had to become a kain gadol? They say, oh, I know two ways. Oil, Shemayin HaBagod. You say, yeah, tell me a third. Says Rav Papa, oh, Yom Kippur morning, the Kain Gadol started the Avaidah, became Tomei, uh, the back, the, you could also become a Kain Gadol by doing the Avaidah. Yeah? Doing the Avaidah, do, being part of the service, is a third way that you can elevate, um, you can elevate the Kain. Now, obviously, this only works on Yom Kippur. This wouldn't work on any other day. Okay. Gavali. Now, 
now that we mentioned this, now that we got into this whole discussion, the Gemara is going to focus on the garments of the Kayin Gadol. Ki Aser Dimi Amar Dimi came to Bavel. He said, Avnei Taisha Kayin Gadol, the belt of regular Kayin, the Aventish Kayin Hedit, I'm sorry, the belt of regular Kayin, Rebbe, Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon, Rebbe and Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon argue about the belt of a regular Kayin. Chad Omar shall climb. One said it was made out of wool and linen. Okay, it had shotness. The other one said that no, the belt of a Kohen was made only out of butz, was made only out of linen. Now remember, who wore linen? The Kohen Gadol and Kippur. Okay. This time the Rebbe who Amar shall climb. Let's prove that in this machlok we've seen Rebbe and Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon. We didn't say who said what. One, it says, Rebbe and Rebbe, and Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon argue. One says it was shotness, wool and linen. The other one says it was only linen. Okay. We don't know who said what. Says the Gemara. Let's prove it's Rebbe who says the belt was made out of shotness. The times learned the Rebbe, the garments of the kind of the garments of the kind was the belt. Divrei Rebbe, this is the opinion of Rebbe. Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon, Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon says, even the belt didn't show any difference. Now, Amos, when did we say that they're different or not different? What day of the year? Are we talking about a general day or Yom Kippur? If we're saying they're arguing on a regular day, and we're going to say that the kind of is wearing shotness, but one second, Tuva Ika, then if you're talking about a regular day, guess what? There's a lot of other differences between the Kohen Gadol and the Kohen Hedyet on a regular day. It ain't going to be what their belt is made out of. Kohen Gadol Meshabesh Meshmeinah, the Hedyet Barba, on a regular day, the Kohen Gadol has the Shmeinah Begadim, like we said earlier, and a regular Kohen has four. It must be, we're dealing with Yom Kippur and Rebbe saying that you can, sh- you can make a difference between the belts of the Kohen Gadol and the belts of a, of a regular Kohen. Must be Rebbe's the one who holds that on your that the belt of a Kayan Gadol had linen only, and the belt of a regular Kayan was wool and linen, was shotness. Okay, so we see who holds what. We see it's Rebbe holds that was shotness. Says the Gemara Amri, they said, Light, you have no proof it's Rebbe. Really, we're talking about a regular standard day. Ah, you're going to ask if it's a regular standard day, why did we say the only difference is the belt? Their whole uniform is different. So, we're not saying that this is the only similarity. Of course, there's many differences. But what we're mentioning in the Brisa is that, listen, on the Shemayna Begadim of the Kayan Gadol, he had a belt. On the four Begadim of the Kayan Hadyat, he had a belt. On the garments that apply to both, that's where we have a Machlaikas. We're not saying this is the only difference. That's what we thought of the Havamina. The only difference between Gadol and Hadiite is the belt. Aye, how can you say that unless it's Yom Kippur? The answer is we're dealing with it's not Yom Kippur. And you're right, they have different uniforms. But both uniforms have belts. So we're trying to say that on the sim- similar garments that they wear, the only difference is what the belt is made of. When Rabban came, he says, the belt of Gadol on Yom Kippur, Divrei Hakol Shabbots. Everybody agrees it was only linen on Yom Kippur. On a regular day, Divrei Hakol shall climb. Everybody agrees it's wool and linen. It was shotness. Like Nechul Ale Bavnitish Kain Hedit. The Machlekes says by a regular Kain. Bein Bishariyam Yomaisa Shana. Bein Yom Kippurim. What does a regular Kain wear on a regular day? 
What does a regular coin wear on Yom Kippur? Sheh Rebbe Omer Shalklayim. Rebbe says that the regular coin always wore shotness on his belt. Rebbe Lazar Rebbe Shimon Omer Shel Butz. And Rebbe Lazar Shimon says that, that uh, the regular belt of the coin Gadol was always pure linen. Now, how do we know? How do we know that Rebbe is of this, um, that Rebbe is of the opinion, continuing on this, this theme, that Rebbe is the one who holds that it was made out of Klayim? Amr of Nachem Bar Yitzchak, Rav Nachem Bar Yitzchak says, we learned in the Mishnah elsewhere, Al Besarai, the Kayan puts his begadim on his skin. Yobash. Once you say he puts it on his skin, isn't he wearing it? Why do you got to say Yobash? To include the hat and the belt that uh, he needs to wear them by the Haram Masadash, by the true Masadashan, when he's cleaning up the ashes. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Now, the Chumas Hadashim was the first thing the Kangalal did every morning. This is how my parents would get us to take out the garbage. Menachem, take out the garbage. I don't want to. Too bad. The Kangalal, the first thing he did in the morning was take out the garbage. Go take out the garbage. All right? That's what you got to do. That Chumas Hadashim, he cleaned up the ashes. He made sure the house is clean, the Mizbeach is clean. When you take out the garbage, Lomaisa, we should think about this. Our homes are a Mikdish Ma'at. When we take out the garbage, we should have in mind, have in Zinin. I'm cleaning out the base of Mikdash, the same way the Kohen Gadol was doing the Jumas Hadash and Dibra Behuda. This is the opinion of Rabbi Huda. Rabdaisa says, the Havi Big Day Kohen Gadol via Mikipurim to include the Begadim of the Kohen Gadol and Kippur, Shahin Ksherim, the Kohen Hediot, that they are fit as well for a Kohen Hediot. That's why he says, Yobash, that he should wear it. Rabbi Aymer, Rabbi says, Stay Chubas Badavar. I got two things to say about Rabdaisa's approach. And that is, Chada, first of all, the belt that the Kangal wore in Kippur was not like the belt that a regular kain, that a regular Kayan wore. And furthermore, okay, now pause for a minute. If it's not the same belt, that means that the Kaingadal on Yom Kippur wore only linen, but a re, uh, wore only linen, but the belt of the Kaingad uh, the, the belt of the Kaingad in Kippur was only linen. But the belt of a standard Kohen was shotness. Okay? Because he's saying, first of all, they're not the same. So that means that he's saying the belt is made out of shotness. And furthermore, the Godim, which are used for a more Chamer, a more severe type of Kedusha, you let it use them for Kedusha Kala? No. Once a Kohen Gadol is going to use a belt on him, Kippur, we're going to say that a regular Kohen can use it on an on a average day, no chance. That's not the way it works. We know this is a rule, something, you can only move things up in Kedusha. You don't get lower than Kedusha. So why does it say the word Yobash? It means to include the, the Shchokim garments. Shchokim garments are garments that have been worn multiple times. The, the material has started to wear out. Okay, And even so, until it's been retired, or even if it's once it's been retired, but as long as it fits the criteria, it might be a little worn out, a little, you know, like the, the pants of us B'nai Taira sometimes get a little shiny from sitting on all the wooden benches, yeah? Shiny pants on the back. So, uh, so uh, it still fit to be part of the Avaidah. V'azdar of Daisla Tamein, of Daisla is consistent with his own reasoning, the Tanya, because he learned the Rebrises of Anich Hashem, and he leaves his begadim there at the Kaingadal after he finishes the Avodah of Yukipper, leaves his garments, Malamid Shatun and Geniza. You see from here that once his 
clothing is done with the avoda, it now goes into Geniza, goes into Shemus, it gets buried. But of Daisa Emer, all it means is that um, all it means is you're not allowed to use it on a different year of Kippur, but he's sticking to his guns. That this um, garment would still be fit for regular Kayan to wear. Somebody else could wear it, even if it's already been worn, or Dice is sticking to it, and it is allowed. He's consistent with his own reasoning, despite us asking from this other price. Period. Okay. We're done now with that topic. And now we're going to begin um, a topic that's going to take us to the bottom of, of uh, today's daf. And that is, we said that the backup Kohen Gadol is going to take the place of the first Kohen Gadol if he becomes Puzzle. And we just said, oh, how do you, if he only becomes Puzzle in the morning, how do you show the backup is really now the new Kohen Gadol? Okay. Now what we're going to focus on how did the first Kohen Gadol become Tameh? How did he become Tameh? So let's talk about this. Tanya Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, so should we, if a psal comes up to Kohen Gadol and, somebody, and another Kohen um, takes his place, so the first Kohen Gadol goes back to being Kohen Gadol once he's fit again. And the second Kohen, even though He's not going to be doing the Avaid of the Kohen Gadol. He has all the other halachos of a Kohen Gadol. Okay? Rashi says an unbelievable thing. The same way a Kohen Gadol is not allowed to become Tomei Mace even to one of his seven relatives, this guy who served as a backup Kohen Gadol also cannot. The same way a Kohen Gadol needs to get a haircut every 30 days, no more than every 30 days, this back Kohen as well. He's just not doing the Avaid. Okay? So like I said, how did he become puzzle? Obviously, the Psul and the Kohen Gadol is including a psal that is, that is um, only temporary. It doesn't have to be a permanent psal, like he got a mum or a fountain, whatever it is. It's a temporary thing. So, Kangal's doing the Avaida. He becomes Tameh, even if it's two days before Yom Kippur. As soon as he's Tar again, he's back to being the original Kangal. He didn't lose his position for the next, uh, for the next 40 years. Divi Rabbi Meir. This is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. If Yaisim Rabbi Meir says, I agree. That the first one goes back to getting the position. The second guy is in limbo. You're not the kind Gadol. And you're no longer a kind Hedid. Okay? You're a kind. You're a Chosh of a guy. And we're putting you into retirement for the time being. But you can't go back to being a standard kind. You're too high for that. You can't serve as kind Gadol. Because there's somebody else already in that position. Amar of he says, "Maisa b'Yosef and Elam b'Tzipari." There's a story with Yosef and Elam and Tzipari. Sheira b'Ipsul b'Kain Gadol mino utachdav. Yosef and Elam became the backup Kain Gadol. Right? He 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 took the position. Rabbi Chaim Nacham said, "Rishon Chayzer l'Avedasai." That the first Kain Gadol gets his job back. Sheni inner roi loy l'Kain Gadol loy l'Kain Hediyot. Why Kain Gadol mishom Eivi? You can't stay Kain Gadol because you can't have two two Kain Gadols. Yeah, too much jealousy, too much hate, too much chance for machlekes. You can't be a kohen head either because you can't move down in Kedusha. You can only move up in Kedusha. Once you served as Yosef ben Elam, very nice you want to serve as a kohen, but you're too holy for that. We can't lower you back to being the, the, to having the status of a, of a regular kohen. Let's wrap up the daf and just get us to the two dots on the top of tomorrow's daf. Says the Gemara, what's the halacha? Amar Rabbi Babrachana, 
Amar Rabbi Yechonon, Rabbi Rabbi says the name of Yechonon, Alacha Rabbi Yaisi. Alacha is like Rabbi Yaisi, that the backup Kohen Gadol doesn't keep the position of Kohen Gadol, but he also doesn't go back to being a regular Kohen. Umayd Rabbi Yaisi, Shem Avar, Rabbi Yaisi, Shem Rabbi Yaisi agrees, even though he's not supposed to go back to being a regular Kohen, if he ended up doing the Avaida of a regular Kohen, it's a valid Avoda. Amar Rabbi Yudam Arav, Rabbi Yudam says the name of Rab, Halacha Rabbi Yaisi. Also, we follow Rabbi Yaisi, that the backup Kohen Gadol who served Again, we're not dealing with a substitute Gadol. It has to be that he ultimately served. Okay? So, so uh, the Allah is he doesn't, he doesn't keep the position. He doesn't go back to being a regular Kayan. But he agrees that if the Kayan Gadol then dies, the backup Kayan Gadol goes automatically to being now the Kayan Gadol. Says the Gemara Pshita. Why would I think otherwise? No. That. Um, I would say that maybe we purposely don't want the backup Kayan Gadol to, to be the new Kayan Gadol. Why? Because then he's always going to be waiting for the first Kayan Gadol to die. Because uh, I, can't, I, can't I can't do an Avaidah until you're out of here. Kamash Valon, therefore the Brysa lets us know that we're not concerned about that. We assume that Kahanim uh, care about each other enough. And he does lie in waiting. And if he does the Avaidah and then is removed and then the Kayan Gadol dies... He will get that position back. We will hold it here for today. And Bezram pick up tomorrow evening at 9.30.